I love how this guy looks like Elijah Wood. Yeah, <laughs> man, he looks. He 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 might look like Elijah Wood, but he plays the guitar like Frodo. <laughs> Yo, I love this song. Oh, this is so cool. This guitar. Oh wait, no, it's got the builds. Got the builds. So this is our um, master of puppets verse. Time signature. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two. Wow, it's so yeah, cool. Maybe you count it 15. Yeah. I never understood. Yeah, that's amazing. Bass. Ooh. Yo. Such such a sick sound. Yeah. It is like a very minor Christmas. Yeah. Like it has like if this was major, mm-hmm. it would be Christmas music. It it sounds like there would be a version of it that would be ridiculous by a uh, what's that Trans Siberian Orchestra. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is all the guys in Dream Theater's favorite song? Probably. <laughs> These chords, too. Oh, wow, yeah. It's like talking about a, a tune and how to elaborate on it. This is perfect. Right. You want me to jump ahead or you want to? Well, I'll get to that part in a minute. I'm just like... Oh, we got it. Yeah, it's like, it's got so many elements. Honestly, I would I'm begging everybody who's listening, just try it. Try to listen to 26 minutes. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I listened to it like the other day in bed, headphones on, eyes closed, and like I was like almost crying at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, oh, so epic. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, we'll get we'll, we can, we'll we'll jump ahead later when I get to that part. Um, we'll just get into it. Let's go. Welcome to listen to this special Halloween edition. Um, if you made it to Halloween in 2020, congratulations! It's been the scariest year ever. Um, <laughs> today we're gonna dive deep into the deepest depths, the Marianas Trench of musical insanity. Nice. It's the Opus Tubular Bells Part One by the genius Mike Oldfield. Released on May 25th, 1973, this album was released on the newly created Virgin Music label led by eccentric millionaire Richard Branson. Fly Under the Moon. Which I think is really funny. Yeah, that guy. That dude's crazy, dude. <laughs> Doesn't he kind of fit this song? Can't you see like a young version of him like his stroking, eyes wide open? Yeah, stroking his cocaine beard yeah, being right, like, yeah, more yeah. bells. <laughs> <laughs> um, the track initially sold like nothing. Of course. But gained worldwide attention when its opening theme was used as the main music in the smash hit horror film, The Exorcist. Yes. Um, this was like a really popular movie back when and, you know, movies were like a really essential driving force of culture. I mean, I'm sure. Somebody, yeah, dude, 70s for sure. Yeah, like somebody can point to point to some statistics, I'm sure right now to be like, well, actually, like the Avengers is a bigger driver of culture. <laughs> but like, it's not um, like the, if you had a song in a movie, it would just become like a, a worldwide thing. Yeah. Normally it was just like a song. 
Like yeah. in today's music, she's like, oh, here's a Post Malone song. Yeah, here's the... Spider-Man! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, this has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. I don't think this has anything to do with The Exorcist, but it's the only thing cool enough to match that fucking sick movie. Right. Um, this song was a top 10 single for a full year. No shit. Yeah, that's like how big the influence of that movie was. Wow. Yeah, also like... I mean, it was a scary movie yeah. for the 70s, man. And, and like, it was super provocative it you know it had a girl had a saying all this dirty shit yeah, and yeah. like it it was kind of about god and the devil yeah. and it's like those are big themes i think he hits all that in the music and more yeah <laughs> um so like it gets used for that it becomes a top 10 single for a full year and it reaches number 1 wow. which is i for, for a piece of instrumental music it just it doesn't really happen yeah. like i cannot think of another one off the top of my head Certainly not from like my lifetime. I'm thinking yeah. like, have it, like maybe I don't know. Man, that's a great trivia question. Yeah, it's tough because even instrumental artists like just have people sing for them. Usually. Yeah, that's like how they get their hits. Yeah, but yeah, this this dude did it. Um, the song was produced by Mike Oldfield along with Tom Newman and Simon Hayworth, which is probably like, the most British name I can think of. And Gandalf. Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, the funniest thing about Oldfield that I could really come up with is he's pretty much the first hugely successful, like, bedroom YouTube guitar player. No shit. Yeah, like, not really, because YouTube didn't exist. But when he was a kid, his, like, parents would fight all the time. And he said that he would escape it by spending hours in his room practicing and composing instrumental music. Wow. And then, like, this that's kind of how he recorded Tubular Bells. Like, mm. he was in a lot of, like, various bands. And he was eventually... um like left off a gig but was given a two-track bang and olufsen tape recorder okay you know do you you know about those guys yeah i mean it's like it's like the that's the one it's like the it's not the one but it's like a basis it's yeah. like the basis of like recording technology you have you have a bunch of inputs and you have to record it down to two tracks yeah so what you're gonna love about this mm-hmm. is oldfield who would never just stop at doing like the regular thing that's mm-hmm. like kind of how he does it he modified the recorder by blocking off the erase head of the tape machine which allowed him to record onto one track, bounce the recording onto the second track, and record a new instrument on the first track. That is insane. So he kind of created a way to overdub. Yeah, because the thing with tape is if when mm-hmm. you record to tape, and then you go back, and you hit record again, it records over what you did. Yeah, yeah. And so when he took that head off, it it's not going to erase it. Yeah. And he's overdubbing on the other side. Honestly, it's like when music and technology meet in this like pioneering way, it just feels like that's like when it, cool shit starts to happen. Yeah, definitely. Cause like, I think about the, that like Stevie wonder run of like Grammy records. Yeah. Where he's like eventually, like essentially like creating new, th- new synthesizers with engineers in the studio. Yeah. And it's like creating that new sounds. And then you get this fresh music and you have these new technologies. It's really cool. Um, Oldfield recorded part one of Tubular Bells at a recording studio called The Manor. That sounds like it. I've heard of this or yeah. should know about this. It's it's in the UK. It's pretty famous. Yeah. Um, in November 1972. You're going to love this. Oldfield played every single instrument. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, uh, it was pretty uncommon at the time. Yeah. To record every instrument using overdubs. I totally believe it. Yeah, like, I think Prince actually had done it before. I mean, some people had done it before, but it was just weird. And it's it would, hard. And it would cost a lot more money and time, yeah. 
which was fine if you were recording yourself, which is yeah. what he was doing. It's bad for the tape and everything. He was playing guitar on sessions at that studio during the day, and then he would record Tubular Bells at night mm. and just not leave. Um, there On the track, there are what he called speed guitars, fuzz guitars, guitars sounding like bagpipes, etc. But in reality, he only used one guitar in the album, a 1966 blonde Fender Tele. Um, he added an extra pickup. All the guitars were recorded via DI. Wow. Isn't that cool? It's so interesting. I feel like he just br- is breaking every rule yeah. all the time and nobody cares. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. What's it? What's it? Why? Like, is there ever an instance where you would want to record a guitar DI versus an amp? No. No. <laughs> I mean, in, in modern times, you record yeah. a DI to use like an, an, a simulator. Yeah, to like, to affect it, to sound like To it. affect it, to sound like yeah. The only other thing I can think of like grabbing a DI is if like you're doing like yeah. big distorted rock guitar or metal guitar, you can grab the DI so you can see the transients and make your edits. Oh, cool. Because cool. you know, when you record a big That's, rock guitar, it's just a block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never heard of someone recording a DI just for like the sound. Yeah. Well, I think he did it because he was like, and this is like how he gets the, all the cool guitar sounds is he like played around with the tape because to create the speed guitar and the mandolin, yeah. which like isn't a real mandolin, the tape was run at half speed during the recording, right? which is like something I do with my looper pedal all the time. Exactly. And it's just really cool that a dude, like, it's just like, he's like, oh, I want to record something that sounds like a mandolin. So I'll just slow down the t- tape recorder and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's so smart. Yeah. They do that in movies too. Really? That's yeah. how they get like... Like speaking of our Lord of the Rings things, yeah, yeah. but like whenever like they're in <laughs> Rivendell and the elves are like walking, but it looks like they're floating, it's because I believe it's shot at half. Oh, that's cool. And then played back at regular. Yeah. And so it looks like they're fucking floating across the ground. That's so cool. It's like when you when you're playing an instrument, you're kind of like manipulating time. Yeah. And in the way that people perceive it, but but it's cool to do that on the actual recording too. Yeah. Damn, that's sick. He also, uh, Oldfield also used a self-created effects unit. Um, he named the Glorfindel box. Fuck. <laughs> to create the distortion. Apparently, it never gave the same result twice. I believe it. Yeah, it's like this dude seems crazy meticulous and like he didn't give a fuck, which is like, that's such a dangerous combo. Yeah, he's like, really? Like, I'm starting to worry. <laughs> um, it's like, we got we to gotta track for it. We gotta, I got to find this in the, in the track. But my favorite part is when the instruments get introduced. He like does it towards the end. Yeah. It, like it's a guy's voice. And there's like one part where he goes, and the bass guitar. <laughs> Here, well, let me see let me see if I can find find the shit. You pull that up. Here, let me. It's like the end of a show and they're like, get on guitar. That's exactly how it goes. And they all take their little solo. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all just this one guy. Read This just voice is weird. Yeah. The the voice performed by Vivian Stanshall, uh, mem- a member of a comedy rock group called the Bonzo Dog Duda Band. He I was, can't take any of this serious. <laughs> here, keep keep playing it because you got it. Well, I'll just talk over it. You got to get the and the bass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> also i love the idea to just have somebody come in and introduce instruments yeah because because it's like people are kind of curious yeah 
I can imagine today's music like synthesizer one. Yeah. <laughs> 808. This is my um, Omnisphere patch. Right, Omnisphere patch. The basic basic <laughs> Um. So this wasn't written for Exorcist. No, no, no. It's just, just, just some dude's just jamming in a studio all night, like hanging out with Richard Branson on his boat, right. like playing demos. Um, so the dude, this dude, Vivian Sancho, who introduces it, he was really excited to MC, but apparently... Double speed guitar. Yeah, here's the double speed guitar. Yeah. Cool. Uh, he was like, he couldn't, this, this MC could not remember the names of the instruments at all and just did a ton of takes like introducing wrong instruments at the wrong time in the recording um and the the way that this album slightly distorted guitar slightly distorted guitar um, just slightly the album's iconic name comes from the way that he announces plus tubular bells oh, right at the end God. which is like why i'm like we gotta listen to this This is so cool. Mandolin. And this mandolin is just like... Yeah, it's not really a mandolin. Yeah, yeah. It's way better sounding. Sorry, mandolin players. <laughs> That's an interesting sound. It's cool, right? It sounds like an old MIDI yeah. mandolin. I think here we go. Spanish guitar and introducing acoustic Acoustic guitar. It does feel like I'm at Transiberian Orchestra. I'm, I'm going to start introducing sounds on my albums. <laughs> and on the bass guitar. <laughs> yeah, the song's fucking nuts. Plus, tubular bells. Tubular bells. Ah. Dude, something so funny about the tubular bells, too is apparently he couldn't get the, the um, sound that he wanted out of them. So he just beat the shit out of them and cracked like several hundred tubular bells wow. in the process getting that. No shit. Yeah, which I think is really funny. It's kind of like, you know, an old N64. Sometimes you just yeah. needed a good slap. Yeah, exactly. You know, like kids today will never know. Like sometimes the TV just needed a good hit. So what did we learn from Mike Oldfield's tubular bells? We learned that like you should... Be really smart and tenacious and break all the rules and then try to link up with a movie about Satan. Yeah. And be friends with the billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening to Listen to This. Make sure you check us out on all your podcast platforms. You rate and review our podcast and subscribe. Tell people about our, our shit. Let us know what songs you want us to do, what weird bedroom YouTube producers will be the new Mike Oldfield. (laughs) Peace.